The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk the trade today, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, thanks for coming on and talking the trade today. Another strong open here for the open the week up for wheat as well. Corn falling along behind it. What do we see here in the wheat market to start the week off? Well, I think we're probably going to start to see more of a trader mindset take hold when it comes to the USDA report on Friday. I think the trade's trying to build in. <clears throat> excuse me. I've got a pretty bad cough today, so I pardon me for the interruptions throughout the interview, but I think the trade's going to try and work from a standpoint of pulling down the world-ending stocks, Clay, probably around 15 million tons would be my guess, 10 to 15 million tons, and if that's the case, then you're probably going to try and inch up towards $6 in the soft red wheat lead month futures, and probably up towards $6 in the hard red wheat lead month futures. Today, specifically, I think you had a situation where the trade with the Ukrainian and Russian crop and, your, and, uh, and European crops still uh, not getting as much relief from the rainfall that they need. You also introduced a lot worse conditions in Australia. They had, I think, missed some rain opportunities last week, and so I think the trade's coming back around, swinging back around, thinking that the wheat crop in Australia is also going to be cut substantially. So while we'll probably cut 10 to 15 million tons off of this crop report uh, on Friday, the trade may not be done cutting. It just depends on what the USDA gives us. And, Mike, you were talking there at the beginning about the when the traders kind of start to move in here, and especially they're looking for a technical aspect of maybe looking to oversold. Last week's CFTC report showed a little over 53,000 had appeared long there between options and contracts in our wheat complex. When do we say uncle and maybe head back down? Yeah, this is the probably the leading indicator as to what would correct us and cause a situation where maybe bullish news is no longer traded as bullishly. I think we're getting close to, because of the traders report, the need for the soybeans and the corn to start helping lift the ball or lift the weight that the wheat has been able to call and lift You know, for the last three weeks, essentially. <clears throat> we're just under 53,000 net longs in the soft red wheat for managed money, net positions, futures, and options, Clay. That's the highest since 2012. So I think you're right in bringing that point to the surface, that we've got an issue where they can go up to 80,000 net long, but that was back in the height of the corn drought of 2012. So given that and given the fact that the wheat corn spread is now over $2 premium to the wheat, I think the corn really starts especially need to do some heavy lifting. That may come as early as tonight, depending on what the crop conditions shows us. So that's going to be the next shoe to drop, I think. And you bring up my next point that I wanted to talk about. That's crop conditions reporting coming out here just a little bit following our Fontenelle final bell. And we've seen that. We have not seen a substantial fall here in the good to excellent rating across beans, uh, across corn, or wheat for that fact. Do we maybe expect now that we've kind of seen some weather fluctuations here the last seven days, maybe finally seeing a little bit of change in that good to excellent rating? You know, with me, I felt like the last couple weeks we should have fallen maybe one to two each week to the downside. Um, they do expect in the trade, based upon the Reuters uh, uh, expectations that were released earlier today, they do expect a little bit of a slight decline. I think the expectations for corn is coming in around 71% average, a low number of 69 
That compares to 72 last week. I would think the corn would want to drop because of the conditions that we're talking about over the last seven days. And I think that 69 number, the low end of the range, is not hard to envision at all given what I've seen in this area of northeast Kansas. And I took a drive all the way down south of Kansas City over the weekend and then went east over into Missouri. I believe that you do have some crop declines in some key states. And I don't think you have other states like Illinois or Iowa or Minnesota or your state in Nebraska, which there's starting to be some pretty large holes of missed rains there. You don't have those states, I don't think, coming into today's numbers uh, that can offset some declines in some of the more poor states. So I am, I've am i been on the mindset that we should see some declines. USDA's clearly fought me on that. And the, with the USDA not lowering those good excellent ratings over the previous couple of reports, how does that start to play into the trader's mindset, into the producer's mindset on how much importance they put and how much weight they put into these reports? Well, I think it makes the producer walk away more. I mean, the call volume that I've had has dropped noticeably since the uh, big rally day we saw in the soybeans when we were able to get up to that 915, 917 level. Uh, about a week ago in the November contract. Since then, haven't haven't heard from a lot of clients except wheat clients, and actually almost all the clients I talked to today, uh, probably 85% were wheat clients, wondering if it was time to start selling new crop wheat, which I do think it's time to get a little bit of orders in since we're hitting my overvalue level of 615 in the soft red July. But to go back to your point, I think that the producer is walking away the trader is probably waiting for the USDA crop report if we're going to get those kind of high crop conditions. And you see the basis isn't really reacting either. So the end user is not really stepping off the sideline and coming in and buying extra. He's just continuing with a hand-to-mouth mindset. So I think these crop conditions do dull the trade because we rely so heavily upon them. Mike, final question in our first segment here. Exports today. We haven't talked about soybeans yet. It looked like they had a pretty good export number come out today. They did, and you know, Clay, this is one of the things that I think, along with this almost 33 million bushel export inspection number on the soybeans, we also had a private estimate come out that the Chinese demand for soybean imports will probably drop 10 million tons on demand destruction, on uh, cutting back on the protein levels and the hogs and the poultry. But, you know, USDA in their last report went from 103 million tons of bean imports going into China down to 95 million. So I think that... 10 million metric ton number looked really bad initially, but when you step back, it wasn't that bad. So I guess what I'm starting to talk to clients about and why I'm doing bought puts on rallies in the soybeans right here, right now, on, on, on that 915, 940 level, is the idea that we don't know our yield, and that yield could drop quite substantially if we miss this week's rains, given the heat we've had to endure. That's Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joining us on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton talking with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, we talked a lot about uh, wheat, corn, and soybeans in the last segment. How do producers react to this in their marketing and hedging plans? Well, in the corn, I think it's a little bit harder to do because, again, we're probably shading some yields. And, you know, the Iowa farmer today and Missouri farmer today uh, updates for the crop that uh, they take every week suggested by some of the guys that are talking in that magazine that they're back down to 2012 yield levels clay so it's a lot harder for me to make a broad brush recommendation what i would say is that given the wheat price 
given the idea that we're probably not much above a 175 or 176 national yield, especially with losing and not getting last week's rains because of how high the silking process and progress is right now, I would say I'm still trying to get a 395 Dease corn test, another dime higher. There's a gap at 410.5. That's always been on my radar screen because that gets you closer in the eastern corn belt, the central corn belt, closer to a $4 cash price. And I feel like given the carryover levels, that's a, a genuinely fair value to go after when it comes to hedging, especially when it comes to the uncertainty of the crop at this stage of the game. I've seen a lot more pictures this week from clients in Illinois and Indiana of tip back and shallow ears and just not very good grain fill because of the hot, dry weathers. We've got some uh, analysts looking towards the Friday report and throwing out some yield numbers. Do you have a thought on that yet, Mike? Yeah, I'm still right at 50 on the national soybean yield and right at 175, 175 and a half on the corn. I'm really close to where the farm futures number is after doing my crop tour uh, through Illinois and parts of Indiana and all the way through Missouri uh, about two, two and a half weeks ago. Now that number is starting to move lower in my mind, uh, especially given the 14-day precip. And so the next time I get an update on my yield model, that's sensitive now to the satellite imagery and specifically the vegetation uh, going into August and September, Clay. This is where I think it becomes more important in terms of what those satellite images can pick up. I'm leaning towards the downside, so I could go back down below USDA's 174 on corn pretty easily by the end of this week if we don't see these rains come across in in a wide swath. Let's switch gears now, Mike, and move on over to livestock. Uh, kind of a mixed day, but most of them ending in the red. Are they just kind of in the shadow of the grain complex right now? I think partly, but I think one of the big negatives that came out of the hogs, because the hogs actually actually looked fairly supported after uh, the start of the trading day, and we had a decent uh, cattle price action in the cash market at the end of the week, getting up to about 114 on cash cattle and very limited trade, but still psychologically supportive because August fats are at 110. However, USDA came out, I think it was around 11 o'clock central time, they came out with updated beef, veal exports, pork exports for the month of June. Beef was just stellar. It was very strong. Beef, veal exports for June were 272.6 million pounds. That was up 15% versus uh, June of last year and uh, pretty much even with last month. So really nice beef numbers, but the pork numbers were pretty dismal. We came in at 454 million pounds. While that was up about 1% versus June of last year, it was down about 12% versus May. That's the kind of number you don't really want to see after seeing a big price break over the same time period. So I have to think that we saw the bear being fed by these USDA pork export numbers and the trade decided to go down below the 58 level in August, which had been support. It did hold the $50 level in October for the hog contract. That's going to be an important number that we need to hold all week long. And then outside market factors influencing the commodity markets, we saw a decent bump up in crude oil today. It looks like that's focusing on maybe some OPEC members and Iranian sanctions. Does that really look to continue or help the commodity markets? It really needs to because at the same time you had fresh lows in the Chinese currency overnight and you had the dollar go right back up to its major resistance level of 95.50. That is a, that is a Custer line for me. That's kind of a... Uh, 
uh, Custer's last stand type mindset on the chart and on the chart psychology and the same with the seven level and the Chinese Yuan. So I wrote about this in a special report about the trade versus the weather for agricultural commodities. The last thing we want is the resistance levels to be violated on the dollar, support levels to be violated on the Chinese currency because that probably will introduce some more outside market pressure as related to the commodity indexes and the commodity investors. And that's goes circles right back around to the wheat because if you see the dollar rally against the Chinese currency, the first thing I'm going to look at after that is how it's looking against the Russian ruble. And if we see the dollar rally against that, that may dictate maybe some of these managed money funds wanting to pull the plug if USDA's report's not uh, going to feed the bull on Friday. That's Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joining us for the Fontenelle Final Bell. You can find out more information at his website, globalanalytics.biz. That's globalanalytics.biz. Mention the Rural Radio Network and get a two-week free trial to his newsletter. This is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. listening to the Rural Radio Network. The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk the trade today, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, thanks for coming on and talking the trade today. Another strong open here for the open the week up for wheat as well. Corn following along behind it. What do we see here in the wheat market to start the week off? Well, I think we're probably going to start to see more of a trader mindset take hold when it comes to the USDA report on Friday. I think the trade's trying to build in. <clears throat> excuse me. I've got a pretty bad cough today, so I pardon me for the interruptions throughout the interview, but I think the trade's going to try and work from a standpoint of pulling down the world-ending stocks, Clay, probably around 15 million tons would be my guess, 10 to 15 million tons, and if that's the case, then you're probably going to try and inch up towards $6 in the soft red wheat lead month futures, and probably up towards $6 in the hard red wheat lead month futures. Today, specifically, I think you had a situation where the trade with the Ukrainian and Russian crop and your and, uh, and European crops still uh, not getting as much relief from the rainfall that they need, you also introduced a lot worse conditions in Australia. They had, I think, missed some rain opportunities last week, and so I think the trade's coming back around, swinging back around, thinking that the wheat crop in Australia is also going to be cut substantially. So, while we'll probably cut 10 to 15 million tons off of this crop report uh, on Friday. The trade may not be done cutting. It just depends on what the USDA gives us. And, Mike, you were talking there at the beginning about the when the traders kind of start to move in here, and especially they're looking for a technical aspect of maybe looking to oversold. Last week's CFTC report showed a little over 53,000. It appeared long there between options and contracts in our wheat complex. When do we say uncle and maybe head back down? Yeah, this is the probably the leading indicator as to what would correct us and cause a situation where maybe bullish news is no longer traded as bullishly. I think we're getting close to, because of the traders report, the need for the soybeans and the corn to start helping lift the ball or lift the weight that the wheat has been able to call and lift, you know, for the last three weeks, essentially. 
or just under 53,000 net longs in the soft red wheat for managed money, net positions, futures, and options, Clay. That's the highest since 2012. So I think you're right in bringing that point to the surface, that we've got an issue where they can go up to 80,000 net long, but that was back in the height of the corn drought of 2012. So given that and given the fact that the wheat corn spread is now over $2 premium to the wheat, I think the corn really starts especially need to do some heavy lifting. That may come as early as tonight, depending on what the crop condition shows us. So that's going to be the next shoe to drop, I think. And you bring up my next point that I wanted to talk about. That's crop conditions reporting coming out here just a little bit following our Fontenelle final bell. And we've seen that. We have not seen a substantial fall here in the good decks already across beans, uh, across corn, or wheat for that fact. Do we maybe expect now that we've kind of seen some weather fluctuations here the last seven days, maybe finally seeing a little bit of change in that good excellent rating? You know, with me, I felt like the last couple weeks we should have fallen maybe one to two each week to the downside. Um, they do expect in the trade, based upon the Reuters uh, uh, expectations that were released earlier today, they do expect a little bit of a slight decline. I think the expectations for corn is coming in around 71% average, a low number of 69. That compares to 72 last week. I would think the corn would want to drop because of the conditions that we're talking about over the last seven days. And I think that 69 number, the low end of the range, is not hard to envision at all given what I've seen in this area of northeast Kansas. And I took a drive all the way down south of Kansas City over the weekend and then went east over into Missouri. I believe that you do have some crop declines in some key states, and I don't think you have other states like Illinois or Iowa or Minnesota or your state in Nebraska, which there's starting to be some pretty large holes of missed rains there. You don't have those states, I don't think, coming into today's numbers uh, that can offset some declines in some of the more poor states. So I am, I've been on the mindset that we should see some declines. USDA clearly fought me on that. And the, with the USDA not lowering those good Excel ratings over the previous couple of reports, how does that start to play into the trader's mindset and to the producer's mindset on how much importance they put and how much weight they put into these reports? Well, I think it makes the producer walk away more. I mean, the call volume that I've had has dropped noticeably since the uh, big rally day we saw in the soybeans when we were able to get up to that 915, 917 level. Uh, about a week ago in the November contract. Since then, haven't haven't heard from a lot of clients except wheat clients, and actually almost all the clients I talked to today, uh, probably 85% were wheat clients, wondering if it was time to start selling new crop wheat, which I do think it's time to get a little bit of orders in since we're hitting my overvalue level of 615 in the soft red July. But to go back to your point, I think that the producer is walking away the trader is probably waiting for the USDA crop report if we're going to get those kind of high crop conditions. And you see the basis isn't really reacting either. So the end user is not really stepping off the sideline and coming in and buying extra. He's just continuing with a hand-to-mouth mindset. So I think these crop conditions do dull the trade because we rely so heavily upon them. Mike, final question our first segment here, exports day. We haven't talked about soybeans yet. It looked like they had a pretty good export number come out today. They did, and you know, Clay, this is one of the things that I think, along with this almost 33 million bushel export inspection number on the soybeans, we also had a private estimate come out that the Chinese demand for soybean imports will probably drop 10 million tons on demand destruction, on uh, cutting back on the protein levels and the hogs and the poultry. But, you know, 
USDA in their last report went from 103 million tons of bean imports going into China down to 95 million. So I think that 10 million metric ton number looked really bad initially, but when you step back, it wasn't that bad. So I guess what I'm starting to talk to clients about and why I'm doing bought puts on rallies in the soybeans right here, right now, on, on, on that 915, 940 level, is the idea that we don't know our yield, and that yield could drop quite substantially if we miss this week's rains, given the heat we've had to endure. That's Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joining us on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton talking with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, we talked a lot about uh, wheat, corn, and soybeans in the last segment. How do producers react to this in their marketing and hedging plans? Well, in the corn, I think it's a little bit harder to do because, again, we're probably shaving some yields. And, you know, the Iowa farmer today and Missouri farmer today uh, updates for the crop that uh, they take every week suggested by some of the guys that are talking in that magazine that they're back down to 2012 yield levels, Clay. So it's a lot harder for me to make a broad brush recommendation. What I would say is that given the wheat price, given the idea that we're probably not much above a 175 or 176 national yield, especially with losing and not getting last week's rains because of how high the silking process and progress is right now, I would say I'm still trying to get a 395 Dece corn test, another dime higher. There's a gap at 410.5. That's always been on my radar screen because that gets you closer in the eastern corn belt, the central corn belt, closer to a $4 cash price. And I feel like given the carryover levels, that's a, a genuinely fair value to go after when it comes to hedging, especially when it comes to the uncertainty of the crop at this stage of the game. I've seen a lot more pictures this week from clients in Illinois and Indiana of tip back and shallow ears and just not very good grain fill because of the hot, dry weathers. We've gotten some uh, analysts looking towards the Friday report and throwing out some yield numbers. Do you have a thought on that yet, Mike? Yeah, I'm still right at 50 on the national soybean yield and right at 175, 175 and a half on the corn. I'm really close to where the farm futures number is after doing my crop tour uh, through Illinois and parts of Indiana and all the way through Missouri uh, about two, two and a half weeks ago. Now that number is starting to move lower in my mind, uh, especially given the 14-day precip. And so the next time I get an update on my yield model, that's sensitive now to the satellite imagery and specifically the vegetation uh, going into August and September, Clay. This is where I think it becomes more important in terms of what those satellite images can pick up. I'm leaning towards the downside, so I could go back down below USDA's 174 on corn pretty easily by the end of this week if we don't see these rains come across in in a wide swath. Let's switch gears now, Mike, and move on over to livestock. Uh, kind of a mixed day, but most of them ending in the red. Are they just kind of in the shadow of the grain complex right now? I think partly, but I think one of the big negatives that came out of the hogs, because the hogs actually actually looked fairly supported after uh, the start of the trading day, and we had a decent uh, cattle price action in the cash market at the end of the week, getting up to about 114 on cash cattle and very limited trade, but still psychologically supportive because August fats are at 110. However, USDA came out, I think it was around 11 o'clock central time, they came out with updated beef, veal exports, 
pork exports for the month of June. Beef was just stellar. It was very strong. Beef veal exports for June were 272.6 million pounds. That was up 15% versus uh, June of last year and uh, pretty much even with last month. So really nice beef numbers, but the pork numbers were pretty dismal. We came in at 454 million pounds. While that was up about 1% versus June of last year, it was down about 12% versus May. That's the kind of number you don't really want to see after seeing a big price break over the same time period. So I have to think that we saw the bear being fed by these USDA pork export numbers, and the trade decided to go down below the 58 level in August, which had been support. It did hold the $50 level in October for the hog contract. That's going to be an important number that we need to hold all week long. And then outside market factors influencing the commodity markets. We saw a decent bump up in crude oil today. It looks like that's focusing on maybe some OPEC members and Iranian sanctions. Does that really look to continue or help the commodity markets? It really needs to because at the same time you had fresh lows in the Chinese currency overnight and you had the dollar go right back up to its major resistance level of 95.50. That is a, that is a Custer line for me. That's kind of a, uh, uh, Custer's last stand type mindset on the chart and on the chart psychology and the same with the seven level and the Chinese yuan so I wrote about this in a special report about the trade versus the weather for agricultural commodities the last thing we want is the resistance levels to be violated on the dollar support levels to be violated on the Chinese currency because that probably will introduce some more outside market pressure as related to the commodity indexes and the commodity investors and that's goes circles right back around to the wheat because if you see the dollar rally against the Chinese currency, the first thing I'm going to look at after that is how it's looking against the Russian ruble. And if we see the dollar rally against that, that may dictate maybe some of these managed money funds wanting to pull the plug if USDA's report's not uh, going to feed the bull on Friday. That's Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joining us for the Fontenelle Final Bell. You can find out more information at his website, globalanalytics.biz. That's globalanalytics.biz. Mention the Rural Radio Network and get a two-week free trial to his newsletter. This is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio 